Hi folks, and thanks for listening to this Tortoise Shack podcast. A little bit of housekeeping before we kick off. We have no ads, we have no sponsors. We rely on members to pay it forward and keep, keep the microphones on and conversations like the one you're about to listen to happening. It's the price of a cup of tea and maybe a scone nowadays to you, but for us it's bills paid and the platform continuing to go on. It's really simple. All you got to do is click the link that says patreon.com forward slash tortoise It's in the top of the podcast you're listening to right now. And you do get lots of extras for that. You get the podcast as quickly as I can turn them around in one consolidated feed. So you never miss one. And they're all plea free. So you don't have to listen to me beg. There's tons of content up there this week already, including a conversation we had with Sam McElwain, the co-host of Shrapnel on the Joe Biden visit to Belfast. There's uh, Killian Woods breaking down what's happening in the housing market in 2023 and into 2024. And we're going back to Gaza to talk to Innes Haman about the situation in Palestine, East Jerusalem and Israel for the latest on what's happening there on the ground. All of those, as I said, as quickly as I can turn around on the Tortoise Shack feed. All I'm asking you to do is click the link and see if there's a level that suits your budget and helps us keep going. Thanks for the support. Thanks for listening. I'll stop rabbiting on. Enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Echo Chamber podcast. My name is Tony Groves. And I am currently sitting on my own in the tortoise shack, putting the final touches to the podcast you're about to hear. Uh, it was a live show put on as part of the May Day badge appeal, uh, the new launch for this year's Rage of Badges uh, that took place in Unite the Union in Dublin city centre. And I was privileged to be able to chair a discussion with uh, Lucky Kambuli of, of Massey and Memo Ulada of United Against Racism. It was a great uh, evening and I have to say a big thank you to everybody who came along and particularly Andrew O'Brien who continues to knock it out of the park with both his fundraising efforts and connecting people. Uh, honestly, great synergies in, and so many so many um, new faces I, I hadn't met before. So, so thank you, Andrew, for that. Before we kick off, I would like you to you know understand that the May Day Badge Appeal there is also a fundraising element to it. So if you are listening to this uh, and you are in the position to, if you could go to maydaybadgeappeal.bigcartel.com and buy the bloody badges. They are quality. There's a gorgeous one now of Phil Linnett as well added to the range this year. Uh, they're a couple of quid and all the money is going to the movement for asylum seekers in Ireland and the mine workers of Alabama who you will hear about. Uh, in the next podcast because they also appeared via Zoom from Alabama under 23 month strike uh, and I'm putting I'm going to be editing that one as well for you so all of that will be coming out as quickly as I can now if I could talk very quickly just to our patrons I know there's been a lot coming out over the last few months I've really appreciated all the feedback all the things we are looking at ways to consolidate the amount of comms that you guys get but for the most part I think it's actually, you know, the reason it all goes out is because there's so much bloody happening and we try to cover it as, as broadly and as, as quickly as we can. So just bear with me if I can if I can shorten some of the, the email correspondence, I absolutely will. Um, just one last thought before we kick off. There was a tiny reduction of 12 in the number of people seeking emergency accommodation in the month of February. And I suppose the signal that sends to me is that a, the temporary moratorium on no-fault evictions was having an impact. It was slowing down the the amount of people going into the system to have to present as homeless. It was slowing it down. 12 is not great. It's not nothing. 
Uh, unfortunately, we still have a huge number of people in Dublin, uh, huge levels of over 8,500 people seeking emergency accommodation in Dublin. It's not sustainable. And I shudder to think where we go in the weeks to come because all I keep hearing are real stories from real people who are telling how they are sitting at home right now in fear. And uh, we can't accept this. We cannot accept this. Uh, we, you'll hear it in the podcast. We talked about mobilizing that energy from the Ireland for All events and talking about how we, we bring that energy to housing. I think it's something we all have to get behind. The government need to change their minds. I don't want to hear ever again that there can't be a permanent eviction ban. A, there was no eviction ban. It was a temporary moratorium on no-fault evictions. And there should always be a ban on no-fault evictions, i.e. if you're paying your rent and you're not trashing the place, there's no antisocial behaviour and you're a good tenant, you should be able to have security of tenure in a, in a secure, stable home. It's not a unit. It's not an asset. It's your home. We need to change that language. I'm going to um, leave it at that, folks. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Lucky and Mehmet as much as I did. It was a fabulous evening. Thanks again to Andy and to everybody Unite for welcoming us in. Enjoy the pod. Look, what, look I'm, I'm standing here with two gentlemen, and I think I said, I made a bad joke outside, and I said, of course, if you're going to talk about the rise of the far right and racism in Ireland, you would get a straight white middle class man to talk about. The long hair, long hair. <laughs> That's the most natural thing in the world. But luckily... I've got two very good dance partners here. Uh, people, like everybody knows, um, look, look, everybody knows him from, from Massey. Everybody knows, you'll see him. He goes to, he'd openly show up and open a pack of crisps if you meant that it was going to raise awareness for, this, for people who are trying to genuinely say, what are we doing and how do we change everybody? Because I want to make that clear. Lungi talks about everybody. Obviously, he advocates for asylum seekers, but he's always spoke about one race, the human race. I just want to say before we open, my other sparring partner here, I'm no is no stranger to me. Um, we will, I will keep it short. Um, Mehmet, as the uh, as one of the founders of, of United Against Racism, has done some terrific work. Uh, it's getting them to stop talking is going to be the challenge here this evening. Um, but he's he's my he's my favorite cantankerous Turk. Um, listen, the team this evening obviously is at well, we've we've talked about against the hate. Okay. So I would just like to ask you both immediately, lucky if I can, that when you read just the headline of what this evening was about, what did that say to you, if you don't mind me asking, to kick us off? Well, the film uh, in, in relation to the May Day, uh, it talks to me about the, the, the workers and uh, what the workers need to do to unite for, the, for their cause, and uh, also if you want to unite, obviously you need to remove hate in the process. So I, I looked at it from, from that point of view, and I did it with the, with the community that I, I, I work with, who uh, have experience of being removed deliberately and sometimes legally, legally from the rest of the community. Mm -hmm. uh, with those rights to work. Uh, and when I thought about the fact that when actually direct provision was formed 23 years ago, one of the three key things- Every 23 years ago. Yeah, yeah, the, exactly. The, 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 the key element uh, that was uh, uh, put there 
was the removal of the of the access to labor markets for for the people that are seeking protection. So when we look, when we've got a, 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 an opportunity to talk like that, we can't forget the fact that people were actually removed deliberately. And as a South African, I always like this to the way that we were deprived of our rights deliberately and legally for many, many years. And when I come here and I see things like that, I can't stop talking. But so, uh, and when you talk about that being denied your rights, so the right to work, it's obviously a fundamental right because you, you can't work, you can't participate in the economy, and, but, you're, but you're also denied that all sorts of other aspects of the social aspect of that. And when you came here and you talked about Vision 23 years ago, as a temporary measure, it was introduced. Mm. Um, so, so many things, unfortunately, uh, in this country. How did how did you feel the Irish people reacted to the idea that well, that that it was okay to exclude, or were they, or even then, were people kind of uncomfortable with it? Well, remember the strategy of the of, of the government was to to remove the knowledge from the Irish people about the actual direct movement itself. Mm. You know, they, a lot of people did not know and still don't know about this. And it said, the, 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 the term, the actual term, direct provision, it makes a person to just think, okay, they, they are provided. Mm. Anyway, well, why should I worry? You know, until we come out as people that living in direct provision to actually explain what is it that we are actually going through. I sat in that room with three, three of us, small room for three years, not having a right, even a hope to go out and look forward. Three able guys in one room for so many years. It frustrated me, and it made me to think that something needed needed to be done mm. in order for one people to 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 know raising awareness, to to influence the, the, the policy change so that things can change. People are talking about now people who uh, after six months they can work, they can be able to work. It was a hell of an effort <clears throat> from everyone. From the in, once we started speaking, the involvement of uh, 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 Irish people in support of that uh, campaign to right to work, there was a lot of support from various various people, from the unions, uh, to 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 amplify that voice for for that right to work. It was not given. It was not given. Mm. It was we took it. Because it was our right to take it. It took the, 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 an asylum seeker to take it to court to prove that the constitution was on our side, but we were deprived for many, many years. And nobody compensates for that. Well, uh, you see, I'm kind of wrestling with that because you just said you've outlined how you, you took it, but it took so long. Yeah, it took so long to to do what we what we would look at now. And we we've often said that it's always this 
history repeat history doesn't repeat what it echoes is it one of the phrases they use and yeah. say every every now and then an irish t-shirt gets to his feet and he apologizes for something yeah and we've often made this statement that they're going to apologize in a decade for the things that were happening in direct provision 15 years ago but we see only recently where in the last two years that the t-shirt he as he is now and was back then in between saying that it's better than tense you know, yes. you know, that was a phrase he used. Yeah. I, I want to come to Mehmet because you actually came from it from a different angle. We we, we know that you you were not, uh, you didn't arrive in Ireland. Because you've got, I'm going to use that awful phrase and I want you to push back on it. You arrived legally, Mehmet. How dare you? Yeah, it's what it's some fucking law somewhere says I'm illegal and I seem to be vetted only if they knew that their vetting process was incorrect and they null and right. But look, Mayday, and I'm in a union hall. It's my union, Unite. I'm really proud to be here in a union hall where we are talking about threat provision and, and, and we are talking about unity and we are talking about solidarity. And I think that's what unions are about. I think that's what union halls are about, right? Uh, yeah, I'm illegal. I came here legally. I'm an economic migrant. I was useful to the economy to make some rich people even richer probably through my labor, right? In 1999, I started working as a volunteer for nine years, I think, eight and a half years in an organization that was looking after the victims of torture, asylum seekers. Now, at the time, the talk was, it wasn't, you know, that they were taking our homes, and they were just, you know, they were drug dealers, and they were this, they were that. And sometimes history repeats, was another feeder for uh, government. Mm -hmm. In 1999, when they announced the direct provision system, and I remember being in a press uh, conference, some bureaucrat from the Department of Justice said, it's temporary. We just have to deal with this crisis and then it will be all back to normal. And I said, no, it doesn't sound temporary. I was escorted out from that press conference, right? And it didn't become temporary. I just looked back before I came here. I had 476 students throughout the years. They are victims of torture, but there are also education and all sorts of things happening in the process, right? Two of them, I must say, one in the north, one in the Republic, after waiting in direct provision system, sleeping in shifts in those days, in North South Road, for example, there were houses where actually the landlords will rent them to the government. You sleep between morning and evening, and someone else sleeps from evening they, till right. They call the hotbed in when they want Indeed. money. Lucrative money. And it resembles to the situation we are finding ourselves in today in Ireland, probably at this present time. And it's also the pizza that comes to Green Party. And Labour Party, we get, and there, we get, there. get there. Two of them have received their residency, their citizenship. You know what they're doing at the moment? One. Those shop stewards. They are trade unionists. Not in Unite, but in other trade unions. And almost every one of those 450, 475, whatever number of students I had, given the chance, because they were workers, because they came with capable hands, they came with ideas and with a hope and, and, a, and an aim and a vision to build their lives. Build their lives. Anyone who hasn't given a chance, anyone who hasn't been deported, anyone who has been stuck in the system for over 10, 15 sometimes years, has lost a very valuable part of their lives. Mm -hmm. Think about it. We talk about COVID and say, all children lost two years of their lives. Students in college lost two years of campus life. We lost two years of our lives. Think about 10 years. You're capable, you can work, you want to work, but all you are told is direct provision. What was it? 19 euro up until recently. Yeah. 19 euro per week. 
I remember driving a father, the mother and the child was in a different direct provision system. The father driving him to the other direct provision system if they were segregated. Actually, saving for almost a month, month and a half of that 90 in order to buy a bus ticket. And only we figured out that he was going and we gave him a lift and whatnot, right? That's the normality of it. But it's not a mistake. It's not just some Roderick O'Gorman sort of, oh shit, I made the wrong turn here. It's a political vision, how they want to deal with the asylum seekers. It's the same vision, how they want to deal with homeless people and people who are actually facing a mission. Same policy. Well, that's why we we talk about against the hate. And look, yeah, I suppose when you try and talk about it in those terms, it actually... And you've, you've outlined it quite well because officially 11,754 people are homeless in Ireland, but they're just the people in emergency accommodation. They don't include rough sleepers. They don't include no. people in domestic um, refugees from, from domestic violence. Mm-hmm. And they don't include about 5,000 people who are in direct provision who maybe have their right to remain. Yeah. Yeah. And, and can't actually leave because there's nowhere for them to go. Yeah. Um, there must be huge frustration when you see that and then couple that with the nonsense of the the unfortunately this the marches that have happened on the streets of of, of like there's one of around the corner being singles they're outside that building yeah it's a bloody warehouse you leave people alone yeah. how frustrating is that when you say when you see it like that and you understand that instead of punching up people are kicking down the the most frustrating thing is the officials who have ignored the housing issues in Ireland. And uh, when the Minister for Justice announced the, the, the scheme that deals with unprecedented and long-term stairs, there was no plan in terms of transition from direct provision. Remember, people have been, you know, suffocated in direct provision, removed from society. Very difficult to 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 come back to the community and present yourself as a as, as a as a candidate, as a as a tenant that is able to pay, the fact that we are in direct provision is 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 a negative issue when it comes to a possible uh, landlord mm. because you don't have a track record of paying, and there isn't a, a, a system that has been in place to say that once you've got the papers, this is what the steps that you will need to do in order for you to get your own house and be free. Yes, now they've announced that there is, there is some funds that they put in place that they would give to some NGOs to look for that. It's 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 they, not they are the gun. I I they are trying to do a community fund. Yeah, and and, and like and I'm not trying to talk because because I will get we will come back to some of it in in a in a harder fashion. Yeah. But there are there are people trying to do the it, integrating into the in the community. But nonetheless, now you're sitting there. Like I, I know I've been up to the Belskin. Um, oh, Belskin. Yeah, and, and and up you go, and you drive, and you know when you look on. on I remember the first time going, the very first time going to click to collect someone, mm. and it didn't. It wasn't there on Google Maps. Yeah. It was just the end of the road. Yeah, and I thought, oh, so they don't read. These people don't exist. Yeah, they don't exist to the point where the trip, that that Google Maps stops at the bottom of that road. Yeah, and then when you talk about it though, when so when you see it in those terms, and then you come down that road. That's my community. So um, you see people coming out of Ballymore and marching up down there yeah. to intimidate people who have maybe fled war, yeah. fled um, persecution, and then you see it twenty-three years on, and it's 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 based on inequality, it's based on injustice, it's based on this within our own community. When we're told 
that the Irish economy is the fastest growing in the EU three years in a row, isn't it? Yeah. Do, do you understand that? The, how do you feel that we get through? How do you, you get that message through? Because you said you had to explain to people about direct provision. How do you explain to them that this is not the problem? The problem was not the, the person who was who was coming here, as, as, as Mehmet said, it was too, too hands up to work. The problem was actually a redistribution. Yeah, uh, I mean, we, we, we need to keep on explaining ourselves that the problem is not is not with us it's not with people that are coming the problem that you find how how do you uh, uh, attribute the problem to a person that just arrived and doesn't have a place to stay that the fact that he doesn't have a space to stay is his is his problem you know so we we keep talking about the fact that the housing cannot be a uh, 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 put on the feet of a person that is a migrant in this country. But there's 400 people tonight that have arrived in this country who are breaching it. We are breaching international law by not providing for them. Yeah. And I put it to you that if they were, if it was some of South County Dublin, uh, there was 400 people South County Dublin, suddenly we would, we, we, we would have a much bigger scandal than we have because these are 400 asylum seekers. Yeah. Uh, 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 Roderick, uh, we had a call with Roderick last week and we actually pointed out to the fact that they are in breach of, of that law and which he acknowledged, mm. you know, and uh, all we want is to, is, is, I mean, is to, to see a change where people can be able to at least get a place, a shelter. You see, Robert is talking about the temporal measures that they were talking about then and they came up with this direct provision. And that minister still pats himself in the back even today that he was the best thing that he has ever created. And now there is a trend of the tents that the Tishok talked about in 2020 mm -hmm. came into reality in 2022, and it's still going on. When the freezing conditions, people were crying in the tents, and it's something that it's going to, it's, 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 it, it can be a long term mm. if we are not challenging the fact that people cannot be staying in. So, so I, I'm going to go and say something that was really positive. The Ireland for All rally. The Ireland for All rally when, like, I mean, yesterday it was up to, or it was 50,000 people said were there. I, we take what the base see me. The best way. When it suits us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, but, like, it was huge. It was a huge crowd, and, and it was a really uplifting day. You spoke yourself. Um, your daughter spoke the net, and uh, it was so many people contributed across it. And that, surely, that energy is the, is the one that we need to harness when we're saying against the hate. Um, the net when 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 people turn around and say, you know, you use the words all the time, and I know he used them kind of in a in a ironic way, economic migrant, because you know I struggle, I don't like I hate that categorization, but nonetheless, when we see events like that, you think that maybe actually, despite what we maybe read, and despite the constant need to have these, you know, importing these uh, culture wars, like Taoiseach went to to. Um, to Washington for Patrick's week, mm. Patrick's week, and he was asked about the small boats in the UK, and he said, "Oh, we'll have to work with them closely to make sure that we manage migration more tightly." Yeah. And he literally, he was, yeah. he could have been reading Rishi Sunak's talking points. Yeah. How does that? How does how does that sit with a day like the fifty thousand people who came out for Ireland for all? 
First of all, I'll be very honest and very open about it. For a change. I believe those in government are snakes in the long grass. They support, they fund, they agree with every single policy of the European Union when it comes to Libyan camps, mm. when it comes to readmission deals, deportation deals with third-party countries. And they also shamelessly say in the Doyle and in TV station, on TV stations that when you talk about immigration, immediately they talk about security. Mm. As if immediately the black man, the refugee, the asylum seeker is a security threat as opposed to as someone who needs humanitarian support and whatnot, right? So I think the hate in Ireland, I think it's nowhere near what we have seen in the rest of Europe, in Britain, in Germany. I lived as a migrant in Germany. My father was an economic migrant in Germany. Uh, and it's nowhere near that. But surely we want to keep it that way. Surely we want to make sure that they don't have a moment of celebration because they have a councillor or they have a political party that now pretends to be sort of a mm. part of the Irish democracy, even though it's not. And I think we need to call them for what they are. I think we need to engage with the communities. I think we need to put the government on the spot. Mm. And I think we need to bring people power against these forces of hate and racism and far-right and fascism, like Ireland for all. Communities play a huge role. Communities who will welcome the asylum seekers, who will welcome refugees, and they will say, no, sorry, you are not the only one from East Wall. I'm also from East Wall, and I have no problem with asylum seekers and refugees. I have a problem with the housing prices, and the address is over there, not in front of a direct provision center. I think we need to build that momentum and build that people power with unions, with organizations, NGOs, political parties, whoever, because we don't, we can't risk that. We can't risk that. Yeah, right. So, um, I, and now I'm going to call it a downer. So, 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 Lucky, you've said, you mentioned you had a call with Roderick O'Gorman last week, and then you talked about some of them. I know you've engaged for years with, with them in terms of the implementation of different, pro different projects. And then the, f the fabled white paper emerged on the ending mm. of the rec provision. It'll mean this. Yeah. I, <laughs> I want to, I want to just, I want to frame it in a way to, though, because we went from, this was a great day. Here's all the press releases. Here's everybody patting one another on the back. Yeah. We've done this. This is why the Greens went into government. Yeah. And then we had a comment where they said, well, maybe we'll need to start charging rent yeah. to people who yeah. are in direct provision. Yeah. That does not uh, sound like a way that, the, that like that white paper might as well be that this tissue right here on yeah. the table for all, for all the use that is then. It just shows that the government does not have a plan at all. They just as and when things happen. They, they, they just respond at, at, at that time. The white paper uh, came uh, with recommendations, uh, with a deadline of 2024, with the, what, six uh, reception centers that they were gonna be building into their own land, uh, zero, zero progress as far as that one is concerned. It's just a simple one, which is within their control. Zero progress on that. We mentioned that to him as well, that we are watching all these things and we don't see the end line, the end line that you are talking about. And all we see is misery, misery, misery to the people that we advocate for. Uh, and it's, it, it's, it's sad that, I mean, we, we always, we always take things that come from from the, from the government with a pinch of salt anyway. So we never believe that they mean 
what they say. We never believe that. Uh, in anything, when, when, when the papers, the, 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 the headlines, we always say to the people, do not believe that. Those, those small victories that they make you smell, if you are not careful, they will lead to those everlasting, you know. There, there was, wasn't there, the, when they had the amnesty for people who had yeah. spent up and not yeah. could bloody qualify. Yeah. <laughs> it was like this, but they yeah. got, the, got the press release out and said, you know, look what we're doing. We're going to naturalize 100,000 people. It was yeah. like, well, actually, no, um, you, 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 you weren't, there was a break in your employment. Yeah. There was a gap where you were a student. Yeah. All of these things we penalized people for, we would never penalize an Irish yeah. citizen for, or, you know, so it just seems, it seems to me, yeah, that it's, it still remains, I was going to say two-tiered, but it's almost three-tiered now. <laughs> yeah, you can say that. You can say that. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, what, what I can just add is, is the importance of solidarity mm. partners, solidarity groups, which we see in Ireland uh, from 10 years of being, of being here. All I've seen is solidarity from wherever that we have been working and from the Irish people mm. that 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 uh, are able to see far, are able to see uh, the potential that a person who is coming new in the country, you can just embrace and uh, and be friends. I, Gary is sitting down there, okay? When I was still in direct provision. Him, his father, his mother took me for Christmas in their house. Okay? You tell me how that, how, what that means. And, and, and in, a, in a very, you know, cordial and, and friendship and in an equal kind of uh, environment. And that is the kind of people that we would want to see in Ireland. Take a family mm. from direct provision. Let them forget about that fr those frustrations. Even for one weekend, mm. send them back. You have made a, a huge difference. You don't have to look into 10,000 of people, just one family. That will be an everlasting experience. And I'll be pushed back on the negative aspect. I was at Blind Boy one evening had Ellie Kasambi as a guest. Mm. And at the bar, people said, oh, this is a bit of a downer, isn't it? They're talking about direct provision. And I knew Ellie, so I really take I nearly got it. I nearly got escorted out. But yeah. but but Ellie heard me and she said and she shouted from when she was on stage, she says, that told you, you give me a lift home. And I thought to myself, going, Of course I give you a lift home. And but I looked around and a lot of people they didn't want to know. Yeah. They were there for night's entertainment. Yeah. They didn't want to know. And I'm reminded of the of um someone else you shared a stage at recently, Bernadette Devlin Mikowski said uh, something yeah. else. Keep hearing the word solidarity. And I'll probably do it visually how Bernadette did it because she said, she said, people say solidarity all the time, which means I'm behind you. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't mean just how far behind you I am as yeah, I'm yeah. I said, so it's too, too often people talk about solidarity and they don't actually mean it, Mehmet. It's just, it's it's a tagline on Twitter. It's it's the, it's it's a way of kind of uh, looking for a bit of cultural capital. How do we take that energy from Ireland for all and push back against the hate from those local communities that you talk about uh, embracing? I think, to be honest with you, I rather prefer people to say solidarity than say nothing or say the opposite. So let's 
let's give it the credit, you know, at least there's a potential to make a real, real thing, right? If it's not real even, right? I think the far right and racism, institutional racism, the far right, the fascist forces or or, or forces of conspiracy theory theory sort of nature are not going away. They got smaller, but they also got more sort of confident in a sense, almost heroistically, you know, that they can stop traffic for half an hour, an hour, whatnot, right? So I think the answer, again, is really to build networks and bring forward the united fronts where people may disagree on certain things, Mm. people may not agree on everything, but people have an agreement that the future for Ireland cannot be one of hate, racism, fascism, and far right. I think that's going to be very, very important, building united fronts. It's a historic lesson as well for us. You know, united fronts will have to work, do work. And it's also a lesson for all of us. So there is no magic answer. Things could get worse. With the way things are going now, people will be evicted. Mm. And shame on them for doing that. A government that doesn't care about asylum seekers will never care about their own homes or vice versa. It's the same ideology, same vision. And I think we need to build campaigns against their housing policy, against their refugee policies, against their policies in terms of trying to militarize this country, against their economic, social policies, and against their policies that actually hate ordinary working class people. On top of it, if you're a black man, black woman, an asylum seeker, a refugee, it seems that hate even gets worse. So I think the far right on the street is dangerous, and we need to deal with that. Now, I don't want to sound alarmist. There's enough people in this country and the streets don't belong to them. It won't belong to them, right? But the institutional racism and the bitter, nasty policies of the government is really giving the far right everything that the far right wants and needs. Really. 160,000 homes empty. They pile people into a bloody apartment building that's not useful for any family. And then people say, the far right says, oh, this could be a home for an Irish family. No, it can't be. No direct provision centre that people have seen it actually can be a family home. Yeah. Isn't that right, Rob? Yeah. No direct provision centre is suitable to become a family home. Yeah. You're like pack life sardines. So I think we need to popularise these ideas, but John Spielfork of rest is sure lucky. I met Lucky 10 years ago. I think that was at the protest. I yeah. thank God for that day. 10 years ago, when you talk about direct provision system, mm. they looked at you. What was that? Today, it's not the case anymore, is it? Well, true. Ministers will have to talk about it. And that's thanks to the agency of the asylum seekers and refugees agency. As Lucky said, it's the agency in solidarity with others that actually made certain gains. But we are far from, I think, saying it's a victory. Lucky, last question for me on on this is, I suppose, I would like to see a more radical and joined up thinking. Um, Because, you know, and I see, I don't think, Brendan Hobble is sitting over there. And he once said to me, he was saying about, you know, one, <laughs> they used to be able to buy a house with one income and have and afford a car and have a, you know, have a, have a steady job. And, uh, and he said, is that radical? Of course it's not radical, mm. but it's become radical now. That's, that's radical thinking. How do we match the, those, the class warfare, which it is, it's class warfare with the struggle yeah. of the, the new Irish. Leila Watson once said, you come here to help me. You're wasting your time. But if you come because your struggle is entangled with mine, we can sit 
and talk. About the time, people think that they are so clever that they can be able to impose their own ideas in solving your problems. Instead of said, the question, the main question, what can we do together? <clears throat> if we can be able to answer that question before we move forward to any action that we want to take, what can we do together? Then we will have a solution, whether it's radical or not. But I, I believe in, 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 rapid, in, in radical actions because those messages, people don't realize activists might not get the results now. Mm. Your actions influence the policies somewhere at the back. They are listening to you. They will hear your voice even if they don't acknowledge it because of your activism. So that's what we need to keep, keep on doing. I don't know if I can add any more to that, folks. I think that's where we leave us. It was a lovely sentiment from Lucky. Now, there was a Q&A and it did go on for a little bit longer than that, but I've decided, seeing as how I can't actually identify some of the people who asked the questions, that it would be unfair of me to post them pub publicly here. So um, I'm going to have to leave it there for you, folks, and I hope you enjoyed that. But I think the main message you want to take away from it is that we can come together. It's not radical and it's absolutely central that we understand that it's a right, it's a rights-based society that will lift up all of us. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the support. And uh, we'll be back to you in your feeds very, very soon. Tony and Martin, Martin and Tony, speaking to interesting people only. It's the Echo Chamber podcast. Subscribe now on page.